Welcome to Elan Restoration Fellowship, where Jesus is King, Hamelech, Lord, Hashem, and Messiah, Mashiach. And now, Pastor and Rabbi, Billy Elias. Matthew chapter 6, 19 to 24. Okay. So, Jesus is pretty pretty upfront with what he's saying here, right? Yeah. We're talking about, um, basically, the love of money as the root of all evil, okay? So, I don't think anybody's going to debate that. Money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money. And here in verse 19 through 24, he's basically telling us about what happens for the person that lies up treasure on earth. And they put all their effort into that because any treasure that you have on earth is um, disposable. I want to say it's biodegradable. It's going to rust. It could get contaminated. It could dissolve, whatever the case may be. When we talk about laying up treasure on earth as opposed to heaven. He's trying, he's giving us an example of the mindset of a person that spends an entire life devoted to wealth and money and then will forfeit their own salvation, right? And he says multiple times throughout the um, <clears throat> the gospels how you, you're going to, you know, wide is the gate to destruction. Now is the path to righteousness. And, you know, woe to you who store up all that money, but yet give up your soul. Would it be better to be poor and broke on this earth and gain eternal have, uh, life? Okay. Right. But what is it to forfeit your own soul, but you've gained all the wealth of the earth? Okay. So you can understand. So as we see this and he comes down and you, and you hit verse 24 and he says, no one can serve two masters, okay? For either he will hate the one and love the other, or we, he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Okay. Now, interesting here, because he's talking about despising one and loving the other. And then he's talking about you cannot love God and mammon. Right. Okay. So now mammon, if, if your interpretation is correct, it should be a, not have a capital M. It should have a lowercase m. What's interesting is this. Now, and we've been talking a lot the last several weeks, several weeks um, about the two books in, in Hebrew. One's called the Mishnah. And the other one's the Talmud. And we've been talking about those. So when I say Mishnah and Talmud, please understand they're not God-breathed. They're not God-inspired. They're not the inspired God, word of God. So I don't want anybody to think in any way, shape, or form that when I talk about these Jewish books that, oh, they're as important as the Bible. They're not. And I, I don't mean to, you know, if, I'm, if there's an implication of that, that's why I want to set that right. Okay. So I bring that in because there's a couple of things that we're going to look at tonight. Because I want to talk about mammon. First of all, we're told the way this is written, you cannot serve God and mammon. The American church, or I should say Christianity, the Christian church, has made mammon something it's not. Because... I wish, you know what, 
I'm going to try to find real quickly. I'm going to look for the prophet Baal because we all know who Baal is, right? right. Okay. And we all know that um, Baal is one of the Babylonian gods. Baal in Hebrew. It has a lot of different meanings. Baal in Hebrew means husband. It could also mean Lord. Okay. And depending on how it's spelled, it is the name of one of the Babylonian gods. Okay. Now you heard, of course, Baal, people mostly know the word Baal or Baal um, from the account of Elijah on Mount Carmel. So one of the things that is interesting is we talk about Mammon, okay? And he's often, we're often told that Mammon is a Babylonian god. Okay. That's not true. He's nowhere in any ancient record do they have any Babylonian god, any new Old Testament, I want to say Old Testament, Old Covenant god called Mammon. There is none. Okay, so the Babylonians had multiple gods. Baal or Baal was the most well-known throughout Torah. Okay, now one thing, the reason I'm bringing all this up is because nowhere at all in anywhere biblically, and there's no archaeological or historical context to base the fact that there is a god called Mammon. And that's because... There isn't, okay? Now, this is where Christianity failed us because it says, if we read verse 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will hold to one and despise the other. Okay, you cannot serve God and mammon. Would it surprise you if I told you that mammon was the Hebrew word for money. Money? Yes. Mammon is the Hebrew word for money. Those who've been around, and you got everybody at this table, we've been together, we were just talking about it, six, seven years, seven years, really, almost seven years, right? And I remember, I know Marie was very big into the Sadaka, right? The Sadaka box, and we talked about the Sadaka scale, and the giving of money, and the importance of money in the Hebraic culture, and the agriculture, And they had a whole scale, which Paul bases his, if you're going to give um, out of compulsion, don't give. But he's actually talking about the Sadaka scale when he says that. Um, so we have this, this interesting conundrum now. Because here we're being told Jesus says you can't serve God and mammon as if mammon is a god. But he's not a Babylonian god. But they've made him into a Babylonian god and he's not. Okay, so the Hebrew word mammon means money. Now, it's interesting because the root of the word is ma-mon. Okay, so I'm going to spell it for you. So the Hebrew word is ma, and then an apostrophe, mon. M-A, apostrophe, M-O-N. Ma-mon. Now, that's that's the, the root. Mammon or mammon, basically it's a play on words, okay? Mammon means money, but mammon means to come from trusting or depositing. It's trust in deposit, right? So basically what the word is saying, 
the word mammon comes from trusting the person you're depositing your money with. Now we come to this Jewish thing that the church loves to use, even though they don't like anything else, called tithing. Tithing, yeah. Okay. To give a tenth. Ma aser, that's what it means. Ma aser, to come from the wholeness, the tenth. Ma aser, that's what tithing means, to come from the tenth. Right, so this is this is interesting. So we get ma mon, right, to come from trusting the one you deposit. It's starting to change what Jesus is saying, isn't it? Yeah. Because one of the things that we know about Judaism, we know about the Hebraic culture, because they were agriculturists, they were extremely dependent on the rains. We've talked about that on the livestock, and we've talked about that, and they were extremely dependent on the tithe. So if you remember, there was a storehouse, which was like a grain silo. So you would come, and every week, or however long, whenever you got your harvest, or whatever happened, you would come to your storehouse, and there would be a priest, and he would write down what you bring. You're bringing this, that's your tent. Why? It's made a deposit. See, this is where it gets messed up. Yes, it's for to help feed the priests and all the families of those who were in the temple. It is helped to feed the orphanless by that, those who don't have a father, who may have a mother but are starving, that kind of thing. But if Tony and Grace came on a weekly basis and kept depositing and Tony got hurt and couldn't work and something horrible happened. Well, guess what? I, more than that, we'll come back to you because they'll go back in and say, they've been tithing to this storehouse for this long and they've given this much. So guess what? Anything you need, all you need to do is let us know and it will be delivered to your doorstep. That's what tithing was supposed to be. And yes, there were some tithes in gold and there would be tithes in silver and that would all go to the priesthood. Okay, but it was not meant to make anybody rich. It was meant, number one, for taking care of the house of God. Number two, taking care of the Levites who don't have a inheritance. Their inheritance was God. So the other 11 tribes, the responsibility was to take care of the priesthood, right? We've gone away from that, haven't we? Because now we have bivocational pastors. It's not supposed to be like that. That is not what God intended. Right. A man's, if he is called to the, the ministry, the job of the congregation is to make sure he and his family are in comfort enough. Everything's paid, everything's taken care of. So what? He can focus on the word and he can focus on prayer and he can focus on God and how they relate to the body of believers that are in the area. We don't do that anymore. We tell our pastors, well, we'll pay your health insurance, but you have to do another job and then get mad when they don't answer the phone at two o'clock in the morning and then get mad when they don't want to counsel you and then get mad if they're in a bad mood because they just worked a 45, 50 hour work week and now have to go to church and have to deal with all the nonsense. So it's kind of, an, it's, it's something that's been lost. Because we've lost sight of this particular passage of scripture. All right. So mammon in Hebrew equals money. It is not a God. 
small g. It means money. That's all it means. So when Jesus says you cannot serve God in mammon, we're now we're, we have a problem. You can't serve money. Well, yes, that's what he's saying. But what is exactly is it that he's saying? Because we know money is so critical. Yeah. Okay, we know that in Exodus, when God took Israel from Egypt, what did they say? You will plunder the house. You will take what you can carry. So you take all their gold, all their silver, all their everything. You bring it all because we're going to inherit it because of what they did. So this is your recompense, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay, now I want you to understand 400 years, right? They were 400 years of slavery to Pharaoh. God sets them free and he says, now I'm going to pay you a settlement for be, being wrongly imprisoned. And that settlement is going to be the wealth and riches of Egypt. Who remembers in one of the commandments where it says, you shall give an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. The word used there for basically recompense is mammon. It's a monetary. It's just a lawsuit. This is that particular verse is the legal laws found in Torah. So an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, if you knock somebody's eye out, what would be the monetary value for that eye? If you knock someone's tooth out, what would be the monetary value for that tooth? If you wound or kill somebody's slave, what is going to be, on accident, of course, what is going to be the monetary value for that animal or that slave? It's the word ma'amon, to trust and deposit. When we're looking at this word mammon, it changes a lot. Because this really comes down to you cannot serve God and a mindset. Money in and of itself is not a problem because we, we know money's not a problem because of what God said to the Jews when they left. 400 years in captivity, you're getting it all. And they did. And then he said, what? If you choose to come and help me build my tabernacle, bring that wealth that was taken. Not that you earned. He doesn't want what you earned at that point because that's called an offering. You take what was taken from Egypt and you bring it to my house so that we can build my tabernacle. Now, you got to remember, man, the, 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 all of the furniture and everything was made of gold. Okay? Think about that. The menorah, seven stems with the was made of gold. The Ark of the Covenant was covered in what? Gold. The rods of the Ark and the Covenant were covered in gold. The table of showbread, gold. Okay, so the point is, I don't even know how, in today's, I couldn't tell you, because look, we all know that I am rubbish with a capital rub when it comes to money, right? I'm terrible, so I'm not even going to begin to try to put a number on how much money in today's society the furniture in the, just in the holy place itself was worth, right? Now the brazen altar is made of bronze. So even then, and then the lava before you go into the holy place was hammered out bronze. So it was clear as glass. 
right? What was the, the, the so you got to understand we're not, I'm not sitting here saying, and this is the problem. So it's just like anything else. The church destroys one thing. They go after it with a vengeance. Money's bad. Money's bad. Money's bad. Money's bad. You're all bad. You know, your job will keep them humble. God will keep them humble. Like this is the pastor, right? This is what I heard. God keeps you humble. We'll keep you poor. That, that's what I've heard, right? Because to be humble, you have to be poor. That's right. That's the mindset. And then you get, well, you know, wealth and the lack thereof, or you're being poor and you have no money is a curse. And so you go from one extreme. And then what happens when the pendulum slides back, swings back, it goes to the other extreme, which is where we get the prosperity doctrine and the prosperity gospel, which is, is more corrupt than the original. We go too far. We're the first ones to say the Pharisees went too far because Jesus called them out on it. But in the very same mindset that we accuse the Pharisees, we're just as guilty because we've done exactly the same thing. And now we've created our own mess. Why was Jesus, one of the reasons why was Jesus so successful? Because the Pharisees had destroyed Judaism. Only certain people could aspire to be holy if they had the money and they had the wealth and they had the, the, the name and they had the lineage and they had the family. They could aspire to be rabbis and teachers and get into the higher courts. The poor people were left behind. They spoke Aramaic. So what happened? Jesus came. He's like, I'm just preaching the truth. And your hearts are going to hear what I'm saying. Why? Because you're truly seeking. The, you know, you. this is so. Do you see what happened? So here we have this word from Mammon. We already talked about it. And we talked about the storehouse. We talked about the tithe. To come from a trusting deposit. Now, here's something that's interesting. The Mishnah tells us that holiness is achieved not by shunning money, but by sanctifying money. Interesting. This is the mindset of Mammon. It's it literally in the Mishnah and the Talmud. When it talks about mammon, it does not come from shunning money, but by sanctifying it. How do you sanctify money? By its honest use and its giving to those in need. Amen. That's how money is sanctified. Through honest use, through honest business practices, and through giving to those in need. Which comes, that's why they wrote the Sadaka scale. Because they had an issue with people were just giving so they could be seen giving. So they were wealthy when they would stand and say, I'm going to give a tenth more than that. I'm going to give a third of my or whatever it is. And I'm going to give half of what I made to this poor person because look at them. They're poor. So they come up with the Zaka scale and say, no, the most humble giver is the one that's not known. And they just give and nobody knows who they came from and where they came from. And that gift just shows up and nobody can claim it. That's the most humble giver. So the Zadaka was written in the Mishnah so that they didn't have this kind of an issue. Okay. That's what the Mishnah says. It tells us to sanctify that money with honest and fair business practices through tithing and through generosity to the poor. So Talmud commands us. It does to study our finances. It Talmud tells us to study our finances and to be proper stewards and to be proper stewards of our money. 
people often say, well, is gambling against the Bible? And all I can tell you is Mishnah tells us to be honest and have fair business practices, to tithe, and to be generous with our money to the poor. The Talmud tells us to study our finances and be proper stewards. If you want to go and you want, I don't care. I'm not, I'm not, this is not a anti-gambling or pro-gambling. It's one of those things where this all comes in because it's finances. I know guys that played in the NFL, not my brother, but we knew he knew guys that would go to Atlantic City and drop $30,000 like he's batting an eye. Now, to me, at that time, when he told me that $30,000 would have saved my life because I was injured, I, I, I wasn't getting a paycheck, yeah. and I was in dire straits. And then he tells me, well, they went, and he's like, the, at the, the craps table, he, he lost thirty grand in like an hour and a half. And he was like, yeah, it's just thirty grand." If you were given that kind of wealth as a steward, what are you doing with it? So when Jesus says you cannot serve God and mammon, we're talking about God and money, but it's a lot more than that, isn't it? So what is he saying? You can't serve God, okay? And let's take it. So the word mammon, so we know now it means money. And we know that it, we're told that it needs to be sanctified through honest and fair business practices, tithing, generosity. And then we're told by Talmud uh, that we have to study finances, study how to use it, and how to be good stewards. So when Jesus says you cannot serve God and mammon, he's not saying money. He's saying you cannot serve God and have the mindset of the ultimate selfishness. So everything leading up to that, right? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth where they moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys. Do you actually understand what in verse 19 and 20 he's doing? He's teaching them from the Mishnah and from the Talmud. He say, basically that's what he's saying. Mishnah and Talmud say, do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth. But do what? Lay up yourselves treasures in heaven. Why? How? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. It is therefore your eye is therefore your eye is clear. Your whole body will be full of light. So what is he saying? Don't sit here and take all that money and hoard it for yourself because you were given that wealth to be prosperous, to be generous to use honestly for the good of the nation, not for the good of your own resource, your own wants, your own desires, your own pleasures. Now, listen, I'm not talking about going and take vacations. Please, I don't even know. I don't want anybody to misunderstand what I'm saying here. There is nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with rich people. Okay, but it did, Jesus says the reason why it's harder for a rich man to get to heaven is because their faith is in nothing more than that gold and that paper money that could be burned up in the flames and the gold. Well, it's nothing more than what God uses to line the streets of heaven. It's tar. 
Pastor Billy will continue his message in just a moment. If you would like more information about sermon series, books, and other study materials, you can call us at 732-314-1956 or you can email us at elanrestoration at gmail.com. You can visit us on Facebook for Shabbat and service times. And now we conclude today's message with Rabbi Billy. Wealth is irrelevant. It's the heart of the person that has it. That's why. So when he's saying you can't serve God and mammon, if you look a little bit, it says he says no one can serve two masters. You love one and hate the other. Or you, what is it? Or he will hold to one and despise the other. If your mindset is one that loves God, then you can't have a mindset that one that wants to love self above all others. You've been listening to Pastor Billy Elias. Pastor Billy is the founder and pastor of Elon Restoration Fellowship in Toms River, New Jersey. Join us again as Pastor Billy bridges the gap between the Old and New Covenants. And as always, may the Lord bless you with peace. Yeah,